Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Nick Berzow is a producer with Just for Laughs, the world's largest international comedy festival. He's been with the company since 2009, working on all of Just for Laughs festivals in Montreal, Toronto, Chicago, and Sydney. Nick produces the Off-JFL showcases for Montreal each July. He's also in charge of booking the American Acts and spearheads the new Faces of Comedy shows. If that doesn't mean anything to you, it should. He's the new man at New Faces, so let's get to it! Okay, so last things first. Uh, I'm sitting here with uh, Nick Brazell, uh from Just for Laughs, and it strikes me that the last show that gets announced for Montreal each year is the show where everybody is a first-timer. Mm-hmm. Last things first. That's how we do it. Yeah, the new the new faces. Mm-hmm. Um, has that always been by design or to announce it so late? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I haven't been involved with New Faces since its inception, but all the years that I've been at the festival, so seven years that I've been there and then the three or four years working directly on New Faces. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a really important. I think it allows us to releasing it the week of the festival is when everybody's paying attention, and then that helps give the biggest spotlight to the people that we're we're focusing on to bring out each year. All right, what's what's the first thing that usually falls into place? Uh, for our club shows. The we have sort of longer lead things, like aside from the main week of the festival, where we really blow up on the English side of things and have all of the galas and all of the other you know concerts and solo shows and off JFL and everything right. and conference and. Um, the ethnic show and the nasty show we generally try to have booked early or late, I guess late in the prior year. So mm-hmm. like before the end of 2015, we had those shows done and on sale so that we can, uh, you know, market them to the local audience that's there. Right. You know, throughout <laughs> a wider date range than just the, the main three or four days that a lot of people just it, come in for. Is this uh, mid-May? Is this... Aside from July, is this kind of the busiest time for you? Um, I know we had to push this back. We did have to push it back. Because there are a lot of shows in the offing. Yeah, I mean, especially right now, this specific week is very very busy because coming into town, you try to make the most of the four or five days that I'm in town, and you're seeing 11 New Faces shows over four days, and then you're also trying to – work remotely from the office on every other part of the festival that isn't just the, you know, the New Faces shows right. and then all of our other festivals as well, including Toronto, which is in September, but we're also trying to have booked in time to be able to launch, you know, very soon. So it's, <laughs> there's a lot going, <laughs> a lot going on. When, when is your downtime? Uh, what? Is that a thing that you can have? Is that, is that I don't know. Um, the day after Generally Montreal? the day after, the day after Montreal... I think we all like to sleep, 
you get that kind of Sunday. Mm-hmm. Well, not even now because we still we have a lot of shows on the Sunday now. But right. the day once, so the festival will finish August first. I imagine we will all sleep until about noon or two on August second, and then we get right at Toronto because we have to shift gears pretty quickly. So. Now, you say you've been involved with the festival for seven years. Mm-hmm. Is is it gotten to a point where? Uh, your your face is known by comedians? Uh, yeah. I mean... They're like, oh, Nick's know. here. We gotta... I mean, I think a little bit. I've been... I mean, not... A lot of comedians don't. <laughs> a lot of comedians probably think I'm, you know, just another comic. And I'm getting there. I mean, I, I've been... It's the beard. It's the beard. The beard probably does that <laughs> for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think in the seven years that I've been there, I've gotten relationships, especially with guys that we do bring out for, like, the ethnic show and the nasty mm-hmm. show, and you get more time to spend with them. Or I've been producing the Off-GFL series for, you know, five or six years and working with all the artists that we bring out to really feature on long-run solo shows, and you get more of an opportunity. And then, of course, the new faces over the last few years will, you know, will know me from all the showcases. Right. And, so I'm getting there, but I mean, it's a lot of people in the comedy community, and it takes a while to you know get all those relationships and provide context to who you are and all that sort of stuff. How many new faces has four groups? Three groups. Four groups. Four groups, yeah. Four so groups. we do two groups of regular new faces, or air quotes, regular <laughs> new faces, uh, those with representation. Um we do a group of New Faces characters, so the solo sketch acts, and then a group of New Faces unrepped. So all those comedians right. don't have any agent or manager. How, ma- how many do you start with to get down to that core group Hundreds? of 48 or 50 or so? Hundreds. I mean, we do two rounds of showcases in New York, two rounds in L.A. We do a round of live showcases in Chicago, and then we accept submissions from anywhere else in the country or additional submissions from those cities too. And you can't necessarily fit them all on right. to see them. So I don't know, ballpark in any given year, probably three to 400 somewhere in there. I mean, you're seeing people right. twice, but like we just saw 11 shows with, you know, about 10 people on it. So you're seeing a hundred plus people each time you go to town. And then, you know, between the two rounds, maybe there's 50% turnover ish. And then, and then, is there a cabal? What happens? <laughs> um, I, how many? How many of you are? You want to translate cabal? <laughs> <laughs> are you speaking French now? No. Uh, um, so you, so you've seen all the, all the new face showcases. Mm-hmm. How many people are there, then, arguing or debating over who, gets the slots? Um, I mean, we have a team of consultants. I mean, Jeff Singer has worked with the festival for 15-plus years in various capacities, and he's our lead consultant. And we, uh, you know, rely on him to set up all the showcases and to be, you know, a seasoned voice mm-hmm. in the room. And then we work with Hannah Crichton as well, who a lot of comedians will be familiar with, you know, from having worked at Nerd Melt and having worked with, you know, Paul Prevenz over the years with uh, Set List. And, you know, she's been working with the festival for, I think this is her third year now, then there's myself, and then we have the team in Montreal, and like everybody from the Just for Laughs side of things uh, can weigh in at a certain point. We try to filter it down using our consultant team, but you know we have other voices from you know Colleen McGar, who's you know worked with the festival for 
gosh, probably since its inception and all these people that, you know, can really see the the not so myopic perspective that I may have being right in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And then I like to lean on, you know, people that have been there and been around the way to to know, you know, to try and keep it in perspective in terms of, uh, you know, who these people are and if they have more backstory that I'm not aware of. Because we fly in, you know, I'm, I'm in Montreal year round and somewhat in a bubble and hearing, you know, who agents and managers are excited about and who other comedians are excited about. And you try to filter all those things and factor them in. And then, you know, all that becomes part of the, the cabal, if you will. <laughs> now, how did, how did this become your thing or a thing that you knew you wanted to do in terms of talent scouting and programming shows? I don't know. I kind of fell into it. I knew that I wanted to be a performer for a long time and that's how I came I guess that was my entry point like okay. I did lots of theater in high school and even sort of started kind of doing stand up by running for student council at school it was like the <laughs> first opportunity of like that was just telling jokes essentially in front of you know classmates to try and get elected and where was this uh, I grew up in Toronto okay yeah um, and then went to theater school, did my undergrad in theater, started doing performing stand-up in like early 2000s, having gone through that in Montreal, and then uh, started working at Just for Laughs as a busboy and a bartender when, they used, when the museum building still existed. The cabaret? Yeah, in the cabaret and in the studio there. So I started working and just kept knocking on doors and kept, you know, sending people resumes. And, and then I went back to school and tried to, I was hanging out with a lot of artists and uh, a lot of, uh, you know, actors and improvisers and comedians around Montreal, and we were all just sort of, you know, sitting there as these uh, Anglophones or English speakers in this largely, you know, divided or, you know, majority French city, and people sort of, I don't know, complaining about the, um, complaining about the lack of opportunities or things that they could be doing better, and I decided to build off the degree that I got and I went back to do my MBA and uh, through doing the MBA they have a co-op program at Concordia University where I did it and then I started getting work terms and I worked for uh, Gillette Entertainment Group for a bit which was which is now Eventco which is like the largest concert promoter in you know eastern Canada and particularly Quebec um, and then through working there there's a connection of the head talent booker from Eventco was uh former colleagues with a couple of people that work at Just for Laughs, and then that's how I got the actual foot in the door. And then okay. I came in doing a work term. I worked in marketing, just kind of doing whatever they wanted. Uh, and then I did a term in uh, public relations and worked through that first festival in 2009. And then from doing that, I got to meet Robbie Pra and I got to meet the whole programming team, and I got to meet Bruce. And then they saw that I did comedy, and they saw that I was really interested and passionate about it and had a good eye for it. And right. that's how the sort of conversation happened. And then... Next thing you know, and then I became so Robbie offered me the job as his assistant, and then so I became there, and then and now Robbie's at Netflix. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so here we are. That's <laughs> so how we, I got it. So, um, what? When was the last time you performed comedy? Um. Gosh, I don't know. A few months ago. Everyone, oh, like there's a really okay. sporadic. Like I don't do it for anything other than maybe to 
I don't know, kind of hang out with friends every once in a while. I'll do this. This is my criteria for doing a show now. Is if it, uh, if I have nothing else going on and I'm not completely ridiculously busy with work, mm-hmm. if it is in front of an audience that, um, has probably never seen me, so that I can tell jokes that I wrote ten years ago, <laughs> and it's. L- Generally in a high school gymnasium in some form of like fundraiser for something right. so that you can go up and I'll do a solid and I don't know how solid I'll do 10 minutes of uh, making fun of the uh, the decorations and uh, people in the audience and Interesting. getting to hang out with some of, you know, some of my friends, but I really very infrequently, I would say twice a year for fun, just what? to stay connected to the experience of, I don't know, I think it's important in this job to to understand how it feels to go on stage. And I think that if I'm going to keep going forward as a producer and as a talent scout and all these things, that maintaining that perspective going forward is going to be key so that it's not all about the business and it's not all about the deal. It's about Mm -hmm. understanding as best as possible what these comedians go through. And especially with new faces too, understanding, you know, when they're preparing six minutes and like the nerves that they go through and understanding just the process of, what it is to perform comedy, I think will, you know, I try to stay connected to that. So that's why I do it. So how does it feel now when you do stand up? Um, now that you have all this knowledge, critical knowledge in your head, does it change how you perform? Um, that's a good question. Honestly, I've been focused so much on, the other side of it that it kind of doesn't like i think that my performing side of it really you know has stayed in a vacuum <laughs> just like it's not the it's not the part of uh myself that i'm trying to develop because it's it's not what i'm trying to do all these right. i see now the amount of hours and the type of talent and everything that it takes to be a successful and a great comedian and I'm not taking that route anymore. So it's like I don't even I don't even want to feel that way. I don't even want to be thinking those thoughts because it's like that's not the point of of what I'm doing. And, you know, as I'm out scouting comedians, I don't want to be thinking in terms of like any kind of competition or something because that's right. not what it is. I'm there, you know, to do the job for the festival that I'm fully invested in and, you know, feel that now this path has opened up to me. And it's kind of like for the first time been very clear that, you know, this is this is where I'm going. So. At what at what point did did that become clear to you? Um, I don't know. Probably recently, like over the last seven years since working there, it's been a gradual. I don't know if there was any one moment where I was like, "Hey, well now, this is it." But I think <laughs> that there's moments every once in a while when you know, I'm sitting there in a new faces audition or you know doing the job of running around during the festival, and like I love producing shows and I love putting together, trying to create what are hopefully, you know, priceless and memorable moments that can't happen anywhere else. That's what I try to do in building the parts of the festival that I have contact with. Right. Is to say, like, okay, if you're coming all the way, if all these people are coming to Montreal as the destination for the biggest comedy festival in the world, how do we keep that as the premier destination? How do we keep pushing the bar of, you know, not the biggest names ever, but also... Once you have those names at the festival, how do we use them in ways that aren't just, you know, what you could see in New York or L.A. or in Edinburgh or like, you know, how how can we have those unique experiences right. that local Montrealers can get, but anybody that touches the festival can hopefully have a chance at. 
how how much of a split is there between the the first three weeks of the festival and that last week? Because um, it starts with the 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 francophile portion of the festival. Francophone. Yeah. Francophone. I mean, it's also people who, who like uh, francophone people. Um, um, but then the last week is the industry week, mm-hmm. where you have the uh, the pro festival and the keynotes and the panels. Yeah, it's pretty significant. I mean, there's it's night and day. Like we share. There's essentially three main components to the overall Just for Laughs Montreal and Juste pour Rio Just for Laughs right. combo. So like the French side of the indoor programming, the English side, so the Just for Laughs indoor programming, which includes the conference and everything, and then the outdoor street programming, which starts slightly later. So we actually span pretty much the entire festival with the ethnic show, but I mean, we're in one venue with that and we start it and then the second week of the festival, we add in the nasty show right. and off JFL starts in a few rooms. And then by that last, that third week is when it really blows up. And cause we take over, we share a lot of the real estate for those first two weeks and the French side of things has it. So they're doing their galas in the first couple of weeks and they're doing their large theater shows and they have the vast majority of the real estate and, in the middle, we kind of share a little bit, so that second week gets a little bit more split. But then in the final week, us taking over all of the indoor venues, by and large, plus the Comedy Pro Conference getting added on top of that at the Hyatt, and then you know in a couple other spots as that grows too, then it really you know changes the dynamic. And then all the industry comes in, and they really focus on those sort of last Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday right. dates of that final week. One of the things that's happened in the seven years since you started with JFL is not only has comedy boomed worldwide, but also there's now f- so many more festivals. Mm-hmm. Like seven years ago, the, there was you guys and a handful of others. Now it's every weekend there's a comedy festival somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> how many? How many other festivals do you go to? Um, not as many as I'd like. It's like you have sort of the, I don't know if romantic is the type of word, but I guess the view of yourself is if you didn't have a job to do, I'd love to be at all these festivals to see how people are doing it and, you know, to experience different cities and, you know, I'd love to go to Bridgetown, but sometimes the, the timing doesn't really work out. But personally, I've been to the Big Sky Comedy Festival in Montana. I went out there as a judge a couple of years ago, um, I've been to, I went to Moon Tower this year for the first time, which is an amazing festival if you haven't been. Or, yeah. You must have been. Yeah, I've been there. You've been everywhere. Well, Um, not everywhere. um, I mean, we always have at least a few people from the company going to Edinburgh every year. Um, I haven't been down to New Orleans, although I hear good things, but. A few, we essentially focus mostly on the scouting for our stuff because it is very much an all-encompassing full-time job. Aside right. from the the few downtimes, we have people, we send people to, um, to South by Southwest every year to experience that. Um, we have a colleague that's coming in town as of today to, to check out Vulture Fest here. Some of us will make it to New York Comedy Festival. So it's split up, but personally I get to go 
you know, I'm doing so much new faces scouting that aside from that, Moon Tower is one spot, and I hope to try and add one or two other things maybe in the fall. Okay, if I can, if it doesn't conflict with our Toronto festival. So, do you have a do you have a good sense of how the the festival landscape has changed? Um, or are you in such your bubble that we're in kind of a bubble, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, I think I'll I'll gain that perspective going forward, and as I keep building relationships and meeting other people, and you know seeing them at our festival and, you know, finding, you know, I just met Abby from, you know, Riot Fest and understanding a bit. As I get to know the rest of the community, then I, I think that will clarify a bit for me. But I don't have a, a huge handle on it because we're – I hear very good things about how we run our festivals, which I like to hear. But outside of that, I'm not really sure as to uh, what all the others are doing. But – I try to keep tabs from afar and, you know, see lineup. When, whenever there's an announcement, I at least try to pay attention to that and, you know, see what kind of concept shows they're doing and see which artists they've got and whether it be, you know, Grand Rapids or uh, Riot Fest or Sketch Fest in San Francisco or, you know, AV Fest and right. all those sorts of things. So, Kind of the, the biggest uh, recent change in the lineup uh, – over these last couple of years is some of these theme shows from Los Angeles mm. have become kind of big hits for for you guys in Montreal. The the roast roast battle. Yeah. Was like the talk of the festival. Yeah. That was uh <laughs> an amazing part of the festival last year. It was a lot of work and it was, you know, came together kind of last second, but getting to work with Jeff Ross and all those guys on that show to create sort of the five night Thunderdome that was the, you know, the roast masters invitational last summer and, you know, helping him source the talent from the festival to do an international, you know, elimination series right. with everybody from new faces up to the favorites like Jimmy Carr and just seeing how it all came together. It was so great to, uh, and just such a showcase of comedic ability. The fact that it's, you know, high stakes in front of so much industry, so many fans. You have to put in work every day. It's like if you advance, then you're waking up the next day, you're researching your new opponent, you're trying to figure out you know, what you're going to say about them. You could bomb in front of all these people, but then you get you know, so many pleasant surprises like the Tom Ballards of the world and you know, K. Trevor Wilson and Matthew Broussard. And it was like, it was great. And and everybody's still talking about it, and it's coming back. And, and it's coming back with a... a you're going to be televising yeah, a live. So Comedy Central <laughs> has, has uh, you know, turned it into a TV property. It's going to be filmed on the Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night for tape for the, to broadcast the following night. And then they're going to go live to air on both uh, Comedy Central and the Comedy Network in Canada on the Sunday night in the grand finale. So it's really exciting, and it's a huge... Yeah. It's, you know, when's the last time... You guys did anything live TV? I mean, all the galas are Triple X. A few years ago was uh, live to HBO Canada. Okay. In 2013, when we had Bob Saget hosting sort of like a nasty gala, um, but that would have been the last live to air. Yeah. So it's super exciting to have that shaping up. Yeah. Is when you when you come back year after year, and you know you you already have. All the big names. What? What do you even try to do to top 
yourself, or or do you not think of it as topping last year? Um, no, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. We you try to get, of course, you try to beat yourself. Like you, mm-hmm. you have to have that ingrained sort of. Well, we set the bar last year, so how do we how do we surpass it? That has to be the goal. Mm-hmm. You have to say, okay, we had Neil Patrick Harris and Kevin Hart and Dave Chappelle last year. Like, how are we doing that again? People are going to expect that now. Right. So how are we meeting that? And then, you know, so then you're thrilled when something as unique, like, to see the things that were kind of like the surprise hits of the festival last year, like Roastmasters, turn into the huge event that Roast Battle will be this summer. You know? And right. the, so I think you... And you just keep trying to to sell the dream. I mean, I'm pretty new at it, you know? Like, I've been at it for seven years, but, I mean, in terms of all of us stepping up in, in Robbie's absence to, to take the baton and, you know, have a leadership role with this, it is very much, uh, you know, it's exciting in getting out there and telling people, like, this is what we do. We live in Montreal all year round, and we take a huge amount of pride in trying to create the most unique, amazing festival on the planet that clearly so many people love, but we have to, we, with that comes a lot of respect and responsibility, I think. And we all feel that we want the industry to want to come back every year. We want the fans to want to travel, to come there every year. We want all the comedians to still talk about Montreal as the destination to get to and the feather in your cap as part of your career, you know? So as long as we keep having that respect and appreciating the responsibility that comes with programming and producing that festival, then I think you're always going to want to beat yourself. Is there? Is there not w- beat yourself? Yeah, I said that. That sounded weird. But is know, there so, one? Is, is there one name or <laughs> is there one big get that uh, would even amaze you if you could talk him or her or them into coming to Montreal? Talk, Bill Murray. Oh. One day. That's going to be my that's my dream goal. And I don't know if anybody has the one hundred number. I'm think I'm just going to start writing. <laughs> if I do get downtime, I'm mm-hmm. just going to start writing letters and like I don't know, posting them places. Like I have no idea how to get this guy, but it's one of those. I just don't. I don't even know what I want him to do. I just want him to show up. I just want him <laughs> to be at the festival anywhere, doing whatever he wants. Even just in the lo- in the lounge. <laughs> I would love the hotel it in the lobby. Lounge. Yeah, just whatever he wants to do. Mm. <laughs> if you can help make that happen, putting Jeez. it out there. It's yeah, the let's, let's put it. Let's put it into the universe. <laughs> Bill Murray, JFL, MTL. Yeah. Um, it's our 35th anniversary next year. So oh, that would be that'd be a good time. Yep. I mean, that was a great time. I'll take them yeah. at 34. I mean, and if, a half. yeah, if you can come in this yeah. this summer, that's fine. If not, 2017 <laughs> is is wide open for you, Bill. Uh, getting back to the new faces, because I'm sure that's what a lot of the comedians who listen to my podcast want to know about what, what is the, do you have like a go-to script for dealing with comedians who want to hammer you with all sorts of questions about the process? Um, no, I don't think I have a go-to script. I mean, it's also the first year that I'll be the, you know, final decision maker in it. So I'm going to, so you haven't come up with a that. catchphrase, or I, I think honesty is the no. There's no there's no <laughs> catchphrase. I mean, the the general policy is we don't really talk about it. Like I don't, you know, give too much feedback until it's over, and even then, that'll sort of 
it'll it'll come about on that. But it's I don't know. It's I haven't gotten hammered yet. I guess to okay. properly answer your question is that hasn't come up yet. Okay. Um, what would you like to tell comedians who want to know how come? How do I get in? How do I get in a showcase? Why? Why didn't I make it past the showcase? Um, I don't know if that's like a question that you can just answer so. Generally. Right. Well, that's why I asked if you had yeah. a if you had something that in your back pocket that you'd tell people. I mean, there's so many way different ways to get into a showcase. It's um, your if you have reps, it's them, you know, pushing you. We we reach out to all the industry and everybody that we can have contact with to kind of generally say who are you most excited about and who would you put at the top of your list and then we try to filter other people's prioritized lists with other you know experience that we've had scouting people in past years our own notes our own sort of database of knowledge plus are then our consultants come into play too with all that sort of so we it's not any one sort of you know script or formula but mm. you know for sure if you know, you've showcased for us in the past and done well. And if you're putting in the work and people are talking about you and this guy's getting up on stage a lot and he's really, you know, it's it's multifaceted sort of thing. But just do you. Like, it's not, I don't know, it's, it's right. going out there and performing comedy. And, you know, if you're, if you're doing well, then we want to know about you. And if we're asking as many people to tell us, who who are their favorites, and then we want to see them, and then hopefully they become our favorites too. Right. And then it's you know so some of it is my own personal taste to a degree, but at the same time, anytime you're watching a showcase, you're watching for what other people would like as well. So it's trying to understand you know what different types of audiences like. If I if I personally love you know more alti comedy, it's not I'm not going to book an entire lineup of alt comedians. You know you want to see as wide a range of styles, uh, backgrounds, uh, you know, material, ways that they approach things. It's just there's so many things that uh, that go into it. And then I really try, and part of my goal to be good at this going forward too, is I really want to see every comedian afterwards. And I know that People, A, don't know me, and B, get a little bit shy about the process, and right. it's kind of intimidating and all that sort of stuff. But it's like I want to meet all these people. I want to know what everybody's about because it's not just what I see in six minutes on the stage. It can't be that. It's like if I – it's not a perfect system. We try to make it as foolproof as it can be, and that's why we make sure to go to the you know the expense and the lengths of going twice to New York and twice to L.A., which are you know by and large the uh, you know boiler rooms of – comedy in this country and but you're seeing a human for six minutes twice a year and that's not necessarily the best representation of who they are who they're going to be as a comedian so you try to get more than that you try to see the person afterwards you try to get you know i don't know just talk to them about whatever see what they're passionate about see what other shows they're doing that's not this showcase understand that an audition uh scenario is off-putting you know and isn't you know can but also seeing people who do thrive on that and who step up to it, that can mean a bit. But it's not everything. You know, it's like the audition right. itself, the six minutes that we see you isn't isn't all of it. So it's just have 
the goal of New Faces to try and trim down your six-minute set to really be what you want to showcase? Because I think that's an important ability, whether it's for the festival or for anything else you're going to do by using comedy in your career, whether it be as a comedian or as, you know, a comedic actor or being able to showcase yourself and have kind of like your elevator pitch of who you are as, you know, not just a headliner, but like, hey, I'm introducing you to me as a comedian and you've never seen me before. This is what I think best represents me. Then, of course, that's an important thing to have. But don't make not getting a callback the be-all and the end-all. And don't make not getting called to the festival, even though you got a callback, the be-all and the end-all. It's, you know, there's a progression that happens. And, you know, sometimes comedians take four or five years and then all of a sudden they figure it out and it's clear and it just hits and it's like the perfect time. Like sometimes you're just ripe and like, I'm still new in it, but I've Mm -hmm. even seen it a few times where it's like, you know, somebody that I saw, you know, two years ago when I went to New York and then you see them and they got it last year. And it was just, it was so clear when they figured it out and it's such a beautiful thing to see and it makes you excited and makes me excited to have this part of, you know, as part of my job. It's kind of a, you know, a dream job to be able to do that. But don't make it everything. Like, as much as make it important, but it's not the overall defining thing of you as a comedian. And I don't know. I guess that would be, at this point, how I would try <laughs> to address that. I'm sure there there have been people, too, who have not gotten new faces and then shown up at Montreal as, like, a headliner. Yeah. We're going to make <laughs> mistakes. Obviously, we don't want to and but like you know to a certain degree anything in life when you're betting on humans it's a you know it's a percentage game it's like a it's you're going for a baseball average you know it's a batting average you're trying to be as high as possible we're trying to limit that factor by um reaching out to as many being as thorough as possible in the process and getting as many seasoned voices that you trust and that you know and listening to the industry too. The industry knows is excited about people for valid reasons. That's why they go out and they sign them and that's why they go out and they represent them. So it's like, you know, getting as much of that information as possible and then filtering it with what I like, you know, what we see as a team live mm-hmm. in the room on stage, all those things go into play. And when are when it, when is the festival bringing back uh, old faces? We're bringing back masters this year. Ah! We are. I don't know they like being called old faces. <laughs> <laughs> but that is what the Masters is, right? Yeah. I mean, I it's think that it's really important, and I'm excited to bring it back, to have a vehicle to bring some of the other end-of-the-spectrum comedians back into the fold to a degree. Because, you know, by and large, the model of the festival is built around, you know, the TV properties that we that we film and produce out of the festival. So having um, a chance to bring back some some comedians that have been part of, that are part of the fabric of the comedy community and really important in New York and in LA and in Chicago and in Boston and all these places, like having a chance to bring in somebody that isn't necessarily known and isn't necessarily the young next thing, but is awesome. Right. You know, so I'm excited to, to, to work on that this year. We don't have that. Uh, any of the acts confirmed yet. But. I was just going to say, and you have the list of new faces to share, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the announcement of... No. <laughs> who, who or what... Doing it different this year. <laughs> but. 
doing via podcast. So we saw the last showcase last night. I've already made all my decisions. Super easy. Here we go. <laughs> Number one, Nick Brzev. Number two, <laughs> Sean McCarthy. Wow. It's just us. Just two new faces. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for coming out. Great job. Can't wait to, for the industry to line up for this <laughs> yeah. this show. Boo. Who, who, or, who or what has been uh, the best in terms of giving you advice as you take on this new expanded role? Um, I don't know. So many people. So many people are, you know, huge sweethearts and very, you know, great mentors. And I don't know, my successor or my predecessor, Robbie Pra is huge. You know, he's being able to work even if, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, going to him for advice all the time, but just having worked with him for seven years to be able to instill a lot of what made him amazing at the job. Uh, Bruce Hills, who, you know, our COO and is there every day still and, you know, more passionate than ever and has so much experience. And anybody that has seen the festival for a decade or more and experienced it in some way is is huge. And now even coming down this week, and although I was super busy with, you know, the New Faces auditions of it, trying to make some time in the daytime to – talk to managers or agents that have had, you know, have been to the festival since it began and have been there since, you know, the 80s and hearing the stories of, you know, how the festival evolved and all that's going to be huge. And I'm, I feel like I'm very much at the, the start of it. So I'll, maybe in a few years I'll be able to answer it <laughs> a bit more clearly with who specifically, but uh-huh. everybody from, you know, the assistants and you know, people that were assistants at the same time that I was, you know, Robbie's assistant, up to the people that have been, uh, you know, taking in comedy, whether it be at the festival or at, you know, when we go to Chicago and audition there and the, you know, club owners and all of it. So, What was, uh, what was Robbie's advice to you when he... Don't fuck up. Left. That was that. Don't fuck it up. And don't be a pussy. Those are it. Okay. Uh, Can you say that? Is there on the on the fl- on the flip side? Um, if someone uh, is listening to this or or meets you at a showcase and is is so curious about getting into the behind the scenes of comedy, what advice would you have for them? If somebody approached me at a showcase. And they were curious to get into yeah, the behind want, the scenes. Yeah, like how do how do you how do I do what you do? Oh, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. It's it's funny to try and answer questions like this because yeah. I don't feel like I'm at the point where, you know, I'm like telling my <laughs> like triumphant memoir as mm-hmm. to how I got where I am. I don't know. Follow what you're passionate about. I think that's how I ended up in the seat that I'm sitting in now, and I think that's. What's going to hopefully get me to wherever, you know, the seat takes me and wherever I go from here. It's, I personally wanted to stay close to live performance because I felt that from performing in plays, that's where I wanted to be. I thought it was, you know, I think that people coming out to experience live performance of whatever type was something that I, I keyed in on. And I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And it took a while to figure out that this is the way to best do that. 
at this point, you know? So it's like, I thought I was going to be a Broadway actor or like a theater actor, you know? And I went towards that and then that gradually turned into doing stand up, and then that gradually turned into, oh, what else could I do to try and be a bit of a, I don't know, a matchmaker between skilled people with all these artists that I was hanging out with and then trying to use myself as best possible to be a conduit for that. So that, that's why I went to business school. And that's, but I don't know. That's my personal way of how I got to it. In general, I think just hang out at clubs, work at a club, be surrounded by it. Try to spend your time going, go to shows, meet people, meet perform. And then next thing you know, you find yourself, I'm sure that's how tons of people become managers or become agents is just from, I don't know, just going out and being a fan first and then letting that sort of lead you into whatever path. All right. Well, Nick, thanks for thanks for hanging out with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm sorry that uh, it took so long. I'm glad it worked out. Well, you brought your suitcase, so... Yeah, I did. You're so ready for I'm you're ready for the for next trip. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Thanks. I appreciate it. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com. More interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.